But yeah, tonight we're uh, ending the year. We're ending our series called Centered, and uh, where we've been looking at these kind of practices that God has given us to stay stabilized in Him uh, in a world that's completely uh, destabilizing as we speak. So uh, we're going to finish that. Hypothetically, this is going to be shorter because we have a little bit more worship at the end, but we'll see what the Spirit does. And uh, so let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Uh, Lord, uh, we love you, and um, Lord, uh, you can, you really can have our heart. God, you can have the heart of this community. God, you can have the places in us that we don't want to give you. Um, Lord, there are so many, so many things, Lord, that fill my mind, so many things that fill my desires, and Lord, um, following you is a battle, it's a struggle, um, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, uh, but it's the best thing I've ever done. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would teach us uh, through your word tonight, Lord, how to remain centered in you. God, I pray that you would really sink our roots down deep within who you are and that we would build our life upon you. God, I pray that for this community. I pray that for me. God, I pray that you would remove any distractions and barriers, God, first within my heart, God, that would keep me from uh, giving your word faithfully, God, how you would have me to this community, this family. But, Lord, I also pray that you would, um, yeah, tear down any walls within uh, the heart of those listening, God, that uh, would seek to uh, reject your word. God, we need you to soften us. Uh, we need you to change us. And, Lord, we need you to work in us. Uh, but, Lord, teach us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, uh, the... the the topic that we're going to talk about tonight, or the word that we're going to talk about, um, would actually completely change your life if you lived it out. Like, if you actually, like, gave yourself fully to this, and, like, you actually experienced this, and you, like, kind of committed your whole self to this, it would actually completely change your life for the good. The problem is, it's a really unpopular word. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those words that when uh, people uh, say it, they don't like to hear it. Uh, when I hear this word, I don't like to hear it. Uh, when people tell me to pursue this thing, there's a part of my heart that gets really frustrated at them. Have you ever had somebody like tell you to do something? And you're like, I just don't. Keep it to yourself. It's kind of one of those things. Uh, and the word that we're going to talk about tonight is contentment. Mm. You guys excited? Glad you came to 710. <laughs> Uh, but here's the reason. Contentment is really, really important. Because here's, I, I want you to do something. Think about your life when you were the most content. Think about the joy that you experienced. Think about the peace that you had. Uh, think about kind of like the lens in which you viewed life when you were like the most content in your life. Now at the same time, I want you to think about the time in your life when you were the most discontent. Think about the decisions that you made when you were in that place. Uh, think about the peace that you had in your heart or the lack of it. Uh, think about the, the things that you did with that person or the substance that you turned to, the relationship that you turned to. When you were at your most discontent place, what did that do? And the reason I think that is really important because what we're going to see tonight is that the, the centered life in Christ is the content life. 
And I think contentment is one of those things that we all long for. Like, we really, really want it. But it kind of feels like, I think I would describe it, it's like, it's like sand in your hands. Like, you have it for a second, but then it's gone so fast. And uh, when we don't have it, we really feel it. But when we do have it, it's like the most life-giving thing that we have. And then when we do have it, it feels like it's gone like that. You guys feel that way? Some of you, um, I feel like in particular, contentment is really a big word for young adults. Because it's kind of like this time in our life where we're striving, like we're striving in our career, uh, we're striving in our relationships, and yet in all the striving, we kind of actually find ourselves not actually getting the things that we want. Maybe that's you. You're coming in here and you're like, man, like all these things that I thought I would have by 25, 26, 30 aren't there. And now what? Some of us struggle with discontentment in relationships. Uh, some of us struggle with discontent in our relationships. We have the relationship, but now I'm not actually content in it. Um, some of us wish we had more money. Some of us actually have the money we wish we had, but we're actually not happy with it. We wish we had the job that we always wanted, but now we actually have it, and we're not happy. Contentment. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going we're gonna to unpack contentment, and we're going to learn from uh, King David in Psalm 131. And so if you have your Bible, open up to Psalm 131. And, uh, and David is going to teach us his experience of learning contentment. And so as you're kind of turning to Psalm 31, uh, if you want to follow along, I'll be in the NIV translation. And uh, <clears throat> you'll see when you kind of see that uh, chapter in your Bible, it'll say that this is a song of ascent. So these psalms are, if you're new to the Bible or new to church, uh, these are songs and prayers that the people of God, uh, Israel in the Old Testament, used to sing and pray uh, to Yahweh, the one true creator God. And the songs of ascent in particular were uh, psalms that David and other authors wrote for the people of God. They would, like, the Jewish people would have all these kind of feasts throughout their year. Uh, Mark Anderson, who spoke a couple of weeks, talked about that. There's these constant feasts. And the, the city of Jerusalem, which had the, the temple uh, of Israel's God, the one true God, it, it actually sat up on a hill. So Jerusalem was like, uh, when Jesus gave the teaching, like, be a city on a hill. It's not like hypothetical. It's like Jerusalem, like God's place, was actually the city up on a hill. And as, like, God's people would kind of climb the mountains up to the temple, they would sing these songs, the Song of Ascent. And so these are, this is uh, one psalm, one song that, that David wrote for the people of God to sing uh, as they entered uh, God's presence, and it, the theme uh, is contentment. So let's read it, and then I want to make a couple uh, observations uh, for us tonight. So Psalm 131. Uh, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So David in the psalm, uh, he gives a picture, I would say, of a place we all want to be, but we rarely actually experience. So he, he's kind of, he's given this, this idea or this picture of this place that we all want to be, but we rarely actually experience. And for us as Christians, what David is describing is this, this place of being completely satisfied in God alone. This type of peace and contentment and satisfaction that, that transcends circumstance, that transcends pain. It, it, he's saying, like, I'm like, I'm content in your presence. And I just want to sit in that word. He goes, I am content. And I would say, even if you're, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, contentment isn't just a Bible thing. 
uh, I would say your, everything that you do, I would argue behind every action, uh, is a desire for satisfaction and contentment. And so I would say even if you're not a Bible person or a Jesus person, what David is ex- describing that he's actually found and what he's actually experienced is the thing that we're all uh, searching for. And what David is going to uh, teach us tonight, if there was like kind of one thing, like one line that I would say that we'll kind of keep coming back to, it's this, and you can write it down, that hope in God is the pathway to contentment. Say that one more time. Hope in God is the pathway to contentment. Now, I want to say uh, one clarification about contentment before we kind of unpack the psalm. Uh, contentment does not mean not caring. <laughs> contentment does not mean uh, being indifferent. Uh, I think sometimes when we think of this word, it's like, oh, I just need to be content. It means like, I just need to care less. Uh, That's actually not at all what the Bible says. Um, Like, contentment doesn't mean more chill. Uh, Being more chill is more of a personality than actually, like I'd say, a fruit of God that he works in you. And so as we kind of process this message tonight, uh, if you're in a place where you're experiencing a lot of pain or a lot of discontentment, uh, God's not asking you to just be more laid back in it and just pretend like it doesn't matter. So that's not what God's saying. Uh, so here's what we see uh, in tonight's message. We're going to see uh, two things. Uh, we're going to see two enemies uh, to contentment. So if contentment is the goal, David's going to tell us two things that will actually, like, if you let these things grow uh, in the garden of your heart, these weeds, it will completely destroy contentment in your life. And then he's going to tell us the secret of finding contentment. So uh, the first enemy, enemy number one, is uh, conceit. Conceit is the first enemy to contentment. Uh, Let's reread the first part of verse one again. David says, my heart is not proud, Lord, and my eyes are not haughty. Now listen to what David is saying. By David saying he's not this, but he's content, what he's saying is, if you actually are this, then you won't have contentment, if that makes sense. And so what David is saying here is if you have a conceited heart or a prideful heart, you will not find contentment. Now that might be kind of weird, and you might ask how so, and here's how. Pride needs to be busy. Pride is busy. Think about uh, the pride in your heart. It's constantly working, it's moving, it's busy, it's constantly striving. And and, and pride and conceit, it's always striving to be uh, the exception in life or to be exceptional, to be somebody. How many of you feel like in your life, like, man, I just need to be something or be someone or, like, I need to actually matter? And I think of that word busy. Busy is never at rest. And, uh, and conceit will always lead you to that busy place so that you can find, finally, to be somebody. <clears throat> but here's the reason why you can't. If you aren't somebody, then you have to be busy making yourself into somebody. But if you are somebody, you have to be busy maintaining, that, like, actually being somebody. Does that make sense? So, bu- so busyness, pride, it will always lead you to this place of striving, and you're either making yourself somebody or you have to maintain. Pride will lead you to maintain and to make. Uh, I was at the gym the other day, and um, so I was working out, uh, trying to stay healthy with the baby still here, not get that dad bod too fast. And uh, I, so at my gym, they show, like, music videos, like, up on the screen, and um, which is, never mind, but... They show music videos. It, by the way, have you ever watched a music video like with no sound? 
like, it's ridiculous. It's actually hilarious if you watch it. But it's even more ridiculous if you watch the video and you're listening to, like, Chris Tomlin. And they're, like, worshiping God, and this person's just, like, glorify me, you know, and all this stuff. Anyways, I'm watching these music videos, and uh, it's, I, I was just trying to, like, be a student, you know, of, like, what's actually happening. So I'm sitting there, you know, I, I'm just taking a break from my set, and, uh, and I'm just, like, I just feel like everything that it was propelling, it was just, like, I, it was just screaming, I matter. So you have, like, this guy, and he's surrounded by this beautiful women, and they're all just, tell, like, they're like, oh, he's so great, and he's, you know, I'm not going to act it out because then it will get recorded. Or, you know, but it's just constantly, it's like this, like this promotion of self, like everything that is put before you in media, social media, these music videos, it's all screaming, I am somebody. And the best part about it was, I was like, okay, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of like what our culture is telling us. But then I kind of watched the people in the gym. And it's interesting because you can see everybody in the gym kind of have their eyes locked on it. And, and, and what I started to realize is, like, there's something in us that really desires to have what that's saying they have. And it's the striving to be somebody and to actually make your life into that. And as I was thinking about it and I was, you know, critiquing it in my head, I'm like, oh, this is the culture we live in. And I was like, yeah, but if I'm going to be honest, that lives in me too. Uh, I feel the pressure and I feel the, the need so often to matter, to be somebody, to strive for it. What about you? What in your life are you trying to make yourself into? What sort of image, reputation, what is that thing that you're striving for? And here's why you can't have contentment when conceit and pride lives in your heart and you're chasing after those things. is because content. Conceit says, hope in me is the pathway to contentment. See, the scripture says, and what David is saying is, hope in God is the pathway to contentment. But conceit said, hope in me is the pathway to contentment. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about this, and uh, this is true for every single person. Uh, you think of somebody who's arrogant. Uh, an arrogant person is a prideful person who's winning. An insecure person is a prideful person that's losing. Right? Zap. But no matter what, in, the, in your arrogance, right? Oh my gosh, I got to maintain this. In your insecurity, oh my gosh, I got to make myself into something. Guess what's underneath all of it? Pride. And, with, and when David is saying, it's like, God, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. He's saying, listen, I'm not coming to you, one, in a prideful place, but I'm also not looking down on other people. Because that will rob me of contentment. And what Jesus is saying and what the scriptures tell us is when you, it's the, it's the biggest upside down thing ever. The more you strive to make much of yourself, conceit, pride fills you, the least content you'll be. The more, you make, the more you make much of Jesus, the more you strive after him, the more you make much of him, of him in your life, the more glory he gets and the less glory you get, you actually find the contentment you were looking for the whole time. And so what David is saying here, but my heart is not proud. He's saying, listen, you, you want contentment? Filter the pride in your heart. Don't let that weed grow in your garden. You've got to pluck it out. The second thing David says, and I think this is where uh, it'll really land for a lot of us in the room. Uh, the second enemy to contentment is, uh, is control. So the first one is conceit. The second one is control. And we see this in the second half of verse 1. David says this, I do not concern myself with great matters or things 
uh, too wonderful for me. Now, I've actually heard this verse for a long time, but I actually never knew what it meant. And I was like, what the heck is David saying? He's like, I don't concern myself with great matters. I was like, that would have been really relevant in math class because it's too wonderful for me. I'm not going to concern myself with it. But like, what is, David, like, what is he saying here? Like, I'm not going to concern myself with these great matters or things too wonderful for me. Um, I think this is what David is saying. David is saying, I'm not going to concern myself with things that go beyond what you have for me in this current season. David is saying is, listen, there are things that are for God and for God alone to know. There are things that, are, that matter and they're too wonderful for me. Uh, Deuteronomy says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed things have been given to us. David is saying, listen, there are secret things for my life that are wonderful and good, secret things for the people of God that I, you're going to help actually use my life to lead them in, but it's too wonderful for me. I'm not going to actually go beyond what you have for me in this current season. Because let's just be honest, we're all prone to having to figure it out now, aren't we? We're prone to have to figure it out now. And if you can't figure it out, then you'll try to force God's hand in it. So like, God, I can't figure it out, but I'm, then I'm going to force your hand in it. And I think what David is saying, um, it, by saying, like, I'm not going to go beyond what you have for me now, um, I think it's, this is actually something that David learned in his own life. I think if I were to guess, I really think David wrote this psalm as an older man when he had a lifelong journey with the Lord to actually experience, like, what contentment actually looked like. Like, if I told you at 25, like, I've learned the secret of contentment, and here it is, like, isn't it great? You'd be really skeptical. But if I was like, hey, I've walked with the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years, let me tell you, these are the two things that you don't want to let into your heart. And so David, um, this is what I thought was really cool. He was, uh, so he was 15 years old uh, when God told him that he would be king over Israel. He was 15 years old. He was 30 when it actually happened. He was 15 years old when he was promised kingship over Israel, and then he was 30 years old when it actually happened. What do you think he was doing in those 15 years? How's this going to happen? Do I actually try, like, am I supposed to actually do something to force God's hand? And some of you actually have that experience, too. Uh, There's something that God has promised you in your life that you don't know how it's going to work, so you're trying to figure it out. Um... There's something that you're in, in, uh, in your life right now that you're just kind of confused about, and you've been talking to everybody, praying to everybody, or not praying, hopefully you're not doing that. You're praying to God and talking to everybody, um, and, and this control kind of takes over, because here's why. Control says, I need to know to be okay, or control says, I'm going to force it to happen so that I can be Okay. And here's the lesson that we learned from this, and I want you to pay attention. When you go beyond what God has for you in the now, because your mind is stuck in the future, you will rob yourself of peace in the present. I want to say that one more time. When you go beyond what God has for you in the now, because your mind is stuck in the future, you will rob yourself of peace, and I would add joy in the present. Uh, the best part about preaching is that God teaches you actually how to live these things out. And so I learned this at 3 a.m. last night. Um, so my wife and I are doing shifts. I'm sleeping on the couch right now, not because I'm in trouble, but because uh, that's actually where I can get sleep. Uh, so I'm not going to go into what we do. She watches the baby the first half of the night. I take the baby the second half. We get four or five hours, and then we can somewhat function the rest of the day. Anyways, so I woke up at 2.45, she calls me, 
and I go and get our daughter, and I come downstairs half awake, and I'm trying to burp her on my shoulder because um, that's what you do. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch, and um, yeah, I, there, there, there are things in my life right now um, that may not seem big to you, but they're, they're big to Crystal and I. They're big to me. Uh, and I just sat there from probably 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., and I could not fall back asleep. Have you guys ever had that happen? Wake up in the middle of the night because you're stressed or anxious? And I was sitting there. Uh, there's a couple of different things that I had going on. Uh, one, uh, I'm teaching on not this Sunday, but next Sunday over there, which is cool but scary. I've done it before, and it was fun. But there's just like this, I'd, like, I really want to honor God with that, and I really want to, you know, please, uh, you know, my boss and yeah, I really want it to be a gift to the community. Uh, I'm teaching at summer camp, not the students. They don't want me to do that. But I do it to the older men, which is great, and uh, some of the other seven tenors. And I, just like I, all these things are on my mind, and I'm trying to think about how to balance it, and like are these things going to go well? And I just find, I, like literally it's 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, and my mind is stuck in those things, wondering how they're going to go. And because of that, I'm completely robbed of God's present peace. You guys have your own version of that. You, most of you probably don't preach. But there's other things. <laughs> you're laughing really hard. I don't know. You, you, maybe you're wondering if you can look as good as Matthew in a suit, you know? It's like, how am I going to wear my suit to 710 next time? But, you know, you know there's, there's things in your life that, you, that your mind is there, and it's robbing you of present peace. And here's what control says, all this to say. Control says hope Instead of God, it says hope in preferred outcomes is the pathway to contentment. My hope in preferred, out, uh, preferred circumstances is the pathway to contentment. And I would even add preferred timing in those circumstances. How much of your life is like, God, I would, man, if I had this circumstance work out that way, then I could have peace now. And if it happened in this time, it would, it would, it would give me peace now. And what David is saying in this passage is that he learned he didn't need to understand everything God was doing in his life for peace, and neither do you. David is saying, I learned that I did not need to know everything that was going to happen in my life for peace, and neither do you. And then he goes on, and he tells us the secret to contentment in verse uh, 2. And David says this, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. All right, so this is an interesting verse because what David is saying here, and don't miss this, is that the secret to being content is becoming a weaned child. Now, what does that mean? So an unweaned child and, uh, yeah, an unweaned child, um, if it, it literally, I'm, I'm picturing this because I literally experience this at home every day. Uh, it will scream and cry and yell until mom gives milk. It will throw an, a, an absolute temper tantrum until mom gives me what I want. A wean child, on the other hand, is completely comfortable being in mom's presence because the baby just wants to be with mom. And so what David is saying here is, like, you want to know the secret to contentment? Become a wean child. And here's, and here's the deal. An unwean, a wean child, excuse me, an unwean child demands control of the relationship. So think about the baby. It's, it says, like, Mom, I need milk, so I'm going to scream until I get it. Who's in control of that? The baby. 
an unweaned child actually hands over control to the mom and is content with the mom to give whatever she wants at the right time. And so the point that David is saying here is that the secret to finding contentment is learning to be completely satisfied with God and his presence even when there are many things, you would, many things that you would like God to explain. The secret to finding contentment is to come into God's presence, to experience his satisfaction and his goodness and his love for you, and to enjoy it even when there are many things that you would like God to explain. Um, I was thinking about this again in my own life, and um, how many of you have ever, you probably wouldn't, maybe, actually, I've said this before, but this is probably more of a, a heart posture where you say, God, I'll, I'll enjoy you when. God, when, uh, I'll, I'll delight in you, I'll obey you, I'll enjoy you when you give me that relationship. God, I'll follow you when you give me that job, or I'll follow you when you actually make me feel this way. God, I'll follow you when, uh, when actually following you feels good. Like you just, the key word is when, and David is saying, listen, you can't have contentment there because it's completely conditional on what you want. And David's saying, like, if you want to mature and find contentment in your relationship with God, you have to become like a weaned child. And this is what I love about uh, this image and what David is saying. He's saying, listen, a weaned child, or I would say a weaned child of God, one that has grown up into maturity, they say this. They say, it's not okay in other words, the things in my life that I'm experiencing suck, they're hard, but I'm okay because I'm with you and I know you love me. It's saying, listen, God, it's not okay. What's happening in my life, how I feel following you, what I want, it's not, like, I don't feel okay, but I'm okay because I'm with you. And so the invitation of, of David here, he's saying, listen, you need to, you need to trade you need to trade your false sense of control and hand it over to God so that he can exchange with you his peace and presence. And when you become a weaned child, that's actually what you experience. And so as we conclude, uh, David calls people, uh, God's people, to a fresh humility and trust. Look at verse 3. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And so this is what David is saying. He's like, David, he's saying, listen, Israel, here's my experience. Uh, here's how I've learned. Here are the two things that will rob you of contentment and delight and enjoyment of God. Uh, and, and here's how I've experienced that in my life. Now make my experience your own experience. And I think this really matters because uh, I think often we think that we should, we, we pray and we expect God to zap us with contentment. Like, it's a formula. Like, if I get on my knees for five minutes and ask God for five minutes to get me contentment in this thing, the outcome will be what? Contentment. Don't we do that? Can I have these formulas? Or if I talk to this many people? Or whatever it is that you do. Uh, what David, I think, is saying here is, listen, you actually have to make a decision. The, emphasize the word put. You have to put your hope in the Lord. It's this act of continually giving over and surrendering the same thing, like giving it to God. It's something that you have to cultivate. Listen, contentment is something that you have to cultivate in your life. It's not so something that will happen today and just be completely fine forever. Um, and and he, it's interesting. This is how actually he tells you he does it. I don't know if you uh, noticed. In verse 2, he says, I have calmed and quieted myself. And so David is saying, like, listen, you know how I learned contentment with God? I actually had to sit in silence with God over the whole of my life until I actually learned to enjoy it. Where you can just go, Lord, 
take a deep breath. I'm here in your presence. And Lord, I just want to enjoy you. I just want to rest. I just want to be filled by you. Lord, would you speak to me? And then you sit there for minutes and more minutes. And you just are comforted by his presence. And the reason I think silence in God's presence is the way that you actually practice that type of enjoyment is think about this. How many of you have been in God's presence and you're like, well, God, I have nothing else to say, so I guess I'll just leave. You know, like, dear Lord, uh, help me, help them, praise you. All right, see you later. I got nothing else. Like, so often, even as a pastor, I feel this, and I get this all the time. It's like, well, I don't know what to pray in God's presence. And David's like, great, just sit there and enjoy it and be filled with the contentment that God gives. I was thinking of an illustration uh, for this. Um, Your ability to be silent in God's presence shows your level of intimacy with him. And this is true for any relationship. So when I first started dating Crystal at GCU, um, and you guys know this in your dating relationships, like this is why the first part of dating is like, it's the best, but it's also the worst because you like feel like you have to fill every gap with something, you know? Um, When I first started dating Crystal, I could not, like we just, we just felt awkward if there was any silence. It's like, oh my gosh, we were silent for five seconds. Do we even click, you know? And uh, it's like, geez, calm down. Yes, you do. But we would, this is, I don't even know why we said this, but I remember like we would like be talking and just tell each other how great, you know, the other person is and like, oh, I love you. And yeah, you're like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm like, I know, but I do. I love you so much. Uh, We would look at each other and we would stare at each other and it would create panic. And then we just go, bread. I don't know why we said it. I think Crystal said it first because she didn't know what else to say. So she just said something and the word bread came out. And we laughed and chuckled and we just moved on. But the point is, we couldn't just sit in silence because we weren't at that level of intimacy yet. But now that I've been married to her for four years, um, this, uh, this June, and I love her and I'm comfortable in her presence, guess what I'm able to do? I can sit there and not say anything in her presence for an hour. I can just sit and I just hold her hand, and I'm just so thankful. I don't need to fill the space. Uh, just thank God for my wife, because um, we're comfortable. We have an intimacy that has grown over the years. And what David is saying is, in your relationship with God, um, you don't need to fill the space. You don't need to sit there and like act like you need to perform in your prayers. Uh, you can tell God everything that you want, and then you can just sit there. And so I would say what David is saying is you want to cultivate contentment with God, start being silent in God's presence, and let his presence overwhelm you and give it the time to actually do it. And then commit to it for a while. So if you're like, I tried it for a week, it didn't work. I'm like, just keep, keep going. And I am the most restless person in the world, and I'm slowly breaking ground, and I'm just able to sit in God's presence and enjoy him for what he is. Um, all right, we got to wrap this up. I want to I make one more point. Uh, notice that uh, David says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both what? Now and forevermore. Uh, what David is saying is, listen, you actually need to make a commitment to putting your hope in God. It's not like, hey, I'm a Christian. I have hope now. Isn't that great? It's, no, it's like you have to make a decision to like, put your hope in God. Like, and he says now, which means today, and then let it continue on for the rest of your life. Um, the other, uh, 
a couple mornings ago, I was stressed about other stuff. I get stressed a lot, as you can tell. But so I'm sitting there, and I was like, babe, I need to go be with God. And so I wrote down on a note card just kind of like the four or five things that I was feeling stressed about so that I could give it over to the Lord. And there's something about doing things with your actual body, you know, not just like as I'm walking, asking God to, you know, help me with this thing. But I actually like wrote out all these things on this card, and I sat there, and I literally just... If you would have walked into the room, you're like, what is he doing? But I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just literally holding this note card, like, up in the air, like, to God. And, like, God, I am, like, I don't know how to physically give this to you, but I've given you this note card. And, like, with it is, like, I just need to find hope in you in these things. And do it today. And then commit to it for the rest of your life. And so as we kind of wrap up here, I want to just ask you uh, one simple question. In your life right now, take the whatever thing that you're feeling the most discontent about. What would it actually look like in your life if you actually put, like, all your hope in God for that thing? And you, like, made a decision and a commitment that, like, I'm not leaving this room tonight until, Lord, I put this thing in your hands. And then guess what? When I go home and the high of singing kind of faded away, I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to put it in your hands again. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and feel anxious about it because that's what happens, and I'm going to put it in your hands again. If you just had this continual surrendering of, God, I'm not demanding control. I'm not saying I need to have an outcome or like a certain way of this actually working out to have enjoyment of you. Lord, I can actually enjoy you because you are actually worthy to put my trust in. You are worthy enough and trustworthy enough. Your integrity has shown all throughout the story of the scriptures. Even just look at your own life. Has God not proven himself faithful? Has he not proven himself worthy enough? If he's taking care of you now, is he going to stop? Because he just forgot it was Tuesday. What would it actually look like if you actually gave God what you needed to, to give him tonight? What stress would that take off your shoulders? What would that do for your heart? How would it free you to enjoy God? And just go, Lord, I'm here in your presence. That will work itself out. I don't know how, but I know I trust you, and I want to enjoy you now and give you that later. So what David says tonight, he says, hope in God is the pathway contentment. And I want that for my life. And I want that for you. And I want that for this community. Do you guys want that? This is one of the things that I realized about the psalm. It's a short psalm that takes a lifetime to learn. Three verses, but it takes a lifetime to learn. But um, we have a God who loves us and is gracious with us. And uh, let's ask his help so that we can do that. Lord, I love you again. And uh, Lord, we just continue to proclaim who you are. Uh, God, that you are trustworthy. That you are good. And, Lord, uh, tonight, Lord, we walked in with, Lord, all the things, Lord, that we feel discontent about, um, things that, yeah, that we struggle with, Lord, things that, yeah, there's things, there's stupid decisions that we've made that I've made, Lord, uh, out of my discontentment, Lord, choices that I've actually made, and yet, Lord, you've been so gracious in all those things. And so, Lord, um, God, I just confess the pride in my heart, um, the desire to be somebody to matter, to be recognized, and God, uh, I trade that out for, Lord, a life to glorify your name, to find satisfaction in that alone.
And Lord, we give you control tonight. Lord, we give you control. And Lord, really, we're giving you a false sense of control because we know that you're on the throne of our lives, Lord, and that you have things that are too wonderful for us, things that belong to you, Lord, that you will reveal in your time. But in the meantime, God, uh, we enjoy you. And we, we, uh, we desire to be like uh, weaned children, Lord, who don't uh, demand things from you. Uh, but Lord, instead, we're just content to be in your presence, Lord, to receive what you want to give us when you want to give us those things. And so, Lord, um, I really believe at the root of contentment, um, Lord, is, is uh, or I would say at the root of discontentment, is enjoying your gifts more than you. And so, Lord, uh, help us to enjoy you and then to enjoy the gifts that you've given us to help us enjoy you more. Help us not to serve those things, to let those things rule our lives. But, Lord, we just want you and more of you. And so I just want to give you uh, in the room, uh, <clears throat> I know the Spirit has been at work already, and there's already something or many things in your mind that, uh, that God is poking on and that God's saying, hey, uh, you want to talk about that? Uh, do you want to you give that to me so that I can give you myself? And uh, what David said tonight is that we could come into his presence God's presence and calm and quiet ourselves. And so I just want to give you two minutes, a minute or two, just to just to sit in silence in God's presence. And if you feel uncomfortable with that, uh, you're in good company. Um, but I just want to encourage you to sit in God's presence and just to bring to him that thing. And then we'll read the psalm uh, and then we'll continue to worship. So take two minutes and uh, give to God that, that thing that's on your heart. guys stand with me. Um, Harley, I'm going to ask you to put those verses on the screen, and uh, we're just going to read these out loud, uh, this psalm out loud together, and, uh, and then we're going to sing to end our year together. So uh, Psalm 131, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters 
or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Amen.